Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of the Superhero Movie Club. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro, James Skyler Houtsma, and the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson. SHMC is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies from angles you may never have looked at them before. That includes their source books, budget, music, and even the science. This week, join us as we journey to... This isn't like any procedure that we've ever done before. Well, that's why I'm here, Doc. Your facial muscles, tendons, bone structure, everything. It was destroyed. Evil has many faces. You look fantastic, brother. Yes. Darkness has many allies. This deal is going down tonight. Raise your army! But there is only one who punishes them all. This is just the beginning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's play a game! God be with you, Frank. Sometimes I'd like to get my hands on God. FBI, drop your weapon! You're fighting a war. Punisher Warzone. And yes, there will be spoilers. All right. First opinions around the table. I really want to hear what you got to say with this, Skylar. Oh, okay. Um, A little while ago, I think we were filming a show we ultimately didn't use. And I said that Punisher Warzone was my favorite bad superhero movie. I don't... It takes a special kind of skill to make a really well-made, just bad, awful movie... And that's what the Punisher Warzone is. It's it's that special movie that somehow, like, unironically is so terrible and over the top that it's just fun to watch almost throughout. It's one of those movies you just bring your friends over, like, tell them eh, just basic stuff about it, throw it on, and just watch their reactions because <laughs> it's amazing that way. Story, complete crap. Oh. Uh but that's not what you're going into the movie for. What you're going for is just the most ludicrous, over-the-top gore you have ever seen in a comic book movie. All right, Ben, what did you think? Uh, I cannot – I disagree with Skylar. I cannot recommend this movie as so bad it's good or, like, you know, you watch it ironically. For me, that's stuff like Charlie's Angels Full Throttle or <laughs> Troll 2, you know? This movie was – just boring, which is possibly the worst thing I can say about a movie. Like, Ghost Rider 2 was bad. Jonah Hex was bad, but they were not boring. This movie was boring. Oh. I like the difference that's of the, opinion. Like, that's the worst thing I can... That's the worst 
thing I can say about a movie, because movies should entertain. This one did not. Not even the dramatic parkour guys were entertaining Mm-mm. to you? No. <laughs> not, on, not on any level. Oh, my goodness. Oh, all right, Ben. Well, in my opinion, I'm, I'm siding over here with Skyler and that this is yeah. just plain action-y goodness. Um, is it a well-made movie? They tried their best. It was definitely – they put the effort in um, and, you know, to each his own. But I want to talk about two scenes, one I had an issue with and one I thought was fantastic. First off, fantastic, was this – Completely original. I, I don't know if it's original or if it was in the comic, but well, it is original because Looney Bin Jim is original. But when Jigsaw meets Looney Bin Jim for the first time, and Looney Bin's like, "What did they do to your face, brother?" And then he says, "I'm never gonna let you look in a mirror again." And he starts smashing all the mirrors like a crazy psychopath, which is what he is. But at the same time. An extremely touching scene. Because I'm like, that is psychopath love. I can really get behind that. I think that might have been like the high point of emotional appeal in the film. Uh, That's not a compliment. It's not. No, no. No. Um, It was a really good moment. When you're competing with the widow and the little girl storyline, not too terribly difficult to uh, come out on top. Yeah. Speaking of that. That needed to be stressed. That was my issue because what a lot of the Punisher movies have this gold mine of a plot line that they don't really haven't dug into yet. And that, okay, Punisher is homicidal maniac, like borderline, and he's really good at it. And you kind of see the appeal because, you know, a bunch of people murdered his family. But what happens when. Punisher kills the wrong guy because all these superheroes have this moral code. They're not going to kill anyone. And if they do, it's completely by accident. But Punisher is going out murdering people. What happens when he murders an undercover cop? How does he feel? And, you know, this movie touched on it for about three and a half minutes. And those were a pretty good three and a half minutes. And then they were gone. And it was like, come on, man. You could have – you had something there. You definitely had something there. And – you the your action schedule didn't allow for it and it was a little bit of a letdown but overall it is it is fun to just watch punisher put a chair through a guy's face uh shoot a grenade launcher at a parkouring rooftop jumper it's amazing fun overall so but (laughs) you know who didn't think it was amazing fun uh anybody (laughs) anybody (laughs) (laughs) please tell me the money stats on this oh. film. Money, oh, and the lack thereof. Okay, Punisher Warzone was made for a production budget of $35 million, which is what I like to call a Lionsgate release. <laughs> Pre-Hunger Games, but a Lionsgate well, makes really cheap movies like Saw and torture porn and all that stuff. Yeah, they are sort of okay. known for being like groom, grotesque, horror-esque films. Okay, so not made for terribly much money. Brought in $8.05 million in the U.S. So didn't make terribly much money either. That's Foreign it. gross, $2.05 million for a grand total of $10.1 million. 
Dollars. Oh my god. Hold on. <laughs> 10.1 million. It didn't even make a third of its money back. No. Do we remember offhand if it made more than Jonah Hex? No, it. it made less. It made less than Jonah Hex? I'm pretty sure we, I remember Skylar being like, it made the least money, and then you were like, nah. Put not on man. Punisher Warzone. <laughs> that's, that's right. And you know, because this is the third Punisher movie to come out, and it is the third Punisher movie to not make money. There has to be um, a good Punisher it, movie out there. It's it's a little something called a good script, which I don't think any of these movies had. That can uh, that can play a little part of it. But what I was going to uh, point out actually is that this movie came out on December fifth, which is known as the Death Weekend, or it, it's one half of the Death Weekend. Uh, first Friday of December and first Friday of September. Studio releases a movie there. They just want it dead, out oh, wow. there, gone. Doesn't ex- no expectations for people to see it. Okay, so this was what? what Lionsgate trying to renew their contract with Punisher. Uh, if anything, I'm just to you know get it off their hands. I think. Hmm. Or are you talking about them making the movie? No, no, because like they made the movie. Right. I think we'll get into this later. But the movie was supposed to be something else, and it didn't end up being that. And so uh, nobody had hope for it. So they just kind of were like, "Well, we already put money into it. Might as well get a little bit of it back and then throw it away." Right, and that's ultimately pretty pretty telling of the movie itself but in essence let's take a moment and think about the taken franchise okay taken is an action action film franchise that starring liam neeson a, a fair amount of people really enjoy those films and they make a lot of money it's like basically the same premise as punisher it's pretty close Minus it is the kidnapping of the daughter and her just getting murdered outright when we get into like what became of the Punisher because of this movie. I think there are some good points to bring up on that and why they haven't been successful so far. Okay. Well, let's get into the next section then. Comic books. The title, Punisher Warzone, uh, was a 41-issue volume and had nothing to do with this movie. Just a heads up. Uh, But the director, Lexi Alexander, has said that she read most of the Punisher Max series, which is basically when Punisher was the Punisher title was moved to a Marvel imprint called Max Imprint Comics. And these were Marvel's R-rated comics. Like the most gruesome visuals happened. This was directly after Marvel broke away from the Comics Code Authority, which put restrictions on your comic books, and they developed their own restrictions which were not the most restrictive, and then, <laughs> and shoved them all into Max imprint. So this is the most brutal of the Punisher line that has probably ever been released. It's probably the most brutal of the Max line, too, because at my new job, we've got uh, a couple of Max series in. We've got like F- X-Men Phoenix Max and Elektra Max. I'm not seeing how either of those are going to top the Punisher as far as just brutality. pure brutality. Yeah. yeah, R-rated content. So uh, Lexi Alexander based a lot of her visuals on that film, or on those comic books, and um, took a few story elements from there. Jigsaw being a big story element in that, in that set. But let's go over some characters, shall we? 
Uh, first off, we have Martin Soap, aka Funny Hat Detective Weirdo Guy. Played, what was who played him? Mish Dak? Dash Mihawk. Dash Mihawk. <laughs> what a weird name. I know. We've got more na- weird names coming up. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Soap was created by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon in 2000. Uh, he is kind of, you know, the, he's the goofy, forgettable character in the movie. Uh, apparently, he was a bit of a fan favorite with some. But Which forgettable I, character? <laughs> <laughs> but to me, I thought he was just kind of doofy and didn't really matter to the plot at all. In what the co- plot? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sorry, I'll stop interrupting. <laughs> so, to the comic book story, he's comical. He's the guy with the worst luck. It's actually kind of funny how they set him up, because they say that all of his cases are botched every single one and the prime example being one time on a on one of his cases all of the jury involved in the case had taken ecstasy and therefore (laughs) it was a mistrial so situations like that where it's not his fault that his case became inconclusive it just happens and comic book writers are having a fun time creating stupid scenarios where martin soap just has the worst luck of all the people in the world but moving on to one of my favorite characters in the movie looney bin jim uh he's just original for the film and crazy He's like the anti-Martin Soap as far as luck goes. <laughs> oh, funny little story about the guy who plays uh, Looney Min Jim about being crazy and all that stuff. His name's Doug Hutchinson, and I think he was in the news like three years ago because he's about like 55 years old right now. And I think he married like a 16-year-old. Hmm. And it Depends was – it was state you're in. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think at that point it it really mattered. <laughs> That's really gross. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes me uncomfortable. Let's move on. Uh, Next up is Microchip, played by Wayne Knight, or as everyone's favorite funny fat guy from Space Jam. And his character was created by Mike Barron and Klaus Janssen in 1987. This dude has such a weird history with Punisher. It's weird. So he's the Punisher's eyes, ears, an accountant. He's a super hacker that his like one of his nephews fo- tried to follow his in his footsteps as a super hacker and got himself killed. So Punisher was like, oh, no, an innocent got killed. Time to go kill that criminal. And Microchip's like, that was my nephew. Let me help. And they've been partners ever since. That's really it. But he's one of the many characters to, like, die and come back to life. You just need to read a little bit of what Microtrip microchip has been through in the punisher line and you're just gonna go man this is indeed a comic book character so uh good news microchip fans there is a good chance if punisher war zone gets a sequel that newman from seinfeld will come back from a bullet in his head (laughs) oh yeah that's right he did die at the end of the film (laughs) just really unspectacularly yeah really quickly just mm -hmm. bang boom dead bat uh, and finally, we have the big bad, the the last original character to be introduced in this film, and that is Jigsaw, created by Len Wayne and Ross Andrew in 1976. He is Punisher's titular arch nemesis. Ooh. In that, he gets a title. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> I just say that because I think it sounds good. It's not actually title in any way. <laughs> if you were the titular arch nemesis, then the comic would be called Jigsaw. <laughs> I know. Just so you know. He's the primary arch nemesis. Due to the fact that so far he hasn't been killed. Pretty much. Punisher mostly shows up as a support character in other comic books. That's when he gets the most like fame. But when he's on his own, his arch nemesis includes mob bosses and Dick Tracy villain-looking mob bosses like Jigsaw. And so you've got a dude with a messed up face. And his claim to fame is that you know Punisher's family, uh, Frank Castle's family, got murdered while they were having a nice picnic. And it was a botched mafia kill, and he survived. So he's like, ah, I gotta kill the mafia. But then Jigsaw takes it a step in the next direction because he's like, oh, no, I gotta kill Frank Castle because he survived and everyone he is related to. And he succeeds in killing everyone he's related to, but not Frank Castle. So what... what what Jigsaw does is he goes beyond killing just Frank Castle's wife and children and killing his his mother, his his father, his grandparents if they were still alive. I forget, but he gets he gets them all. The main difference on how he got his his looks is that in the movie you see him going through a glass compactor. More on that later. In the comic book, he's just kicked through a window and less dramatic but a bit more realistic, honestly. But that's all I have on comic book characters, guys. I oh, mean, man. yeah, nothing, nothing on Budiansky, played by Colin Salmon. Budiansky is made completely for the film. I feel like I knew that, but still, he has the best line. Damn it, Castle! <laughs> all right, so Skyler, uh, hit me up with some music. Oh boy, music for Punisher Warzone, composed by Michael Wandmacher, which I can only imagine means Wandmaker. I don't know. In German? Yes. That's I got a wand you can make right here. (laughs) (laughs) Three things to describe the score for uh, Punisher Warzone. Forgettable. Yes. Undefined. And then for probably the third one, I don't know. I still feel like they haven't found a a unique sound for the Punisher character in all three movies, but at the same time, I – kind of think about it and that just seems like a hard character to find uh well i think it in regards to finding it like they could go the route that was gone in dread who composed dread again joel schumacher no <laughs> no but you know there's there's one way you could go with the punisher character and and similar to dread and you have those hard techno deep beats which are kind of cool, like you're an intense action guy yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Or you know, it's Paul you, Leonard Morgan, by the way. It's who? Paul Leonard Morgan. He's the guy who composed Dread. Yes. Okay. Yep, yep. And so that's one way. The other way I can think of it is just you know that sort of dark boom sounds that you sort of maybe maybe Inception's a bad example, but similar because you know Punisher is a force. He's coming mm-hmm. to um, avenge and deal reckon upon the evil who walk the earth with mm. no prejudice. Contrabassoon. Hmm? Yeah. Contrabassoon, low brass, cello, string bass, 
timpani. Yeah, all those sounds. Yeah, what did Wanmacher do, though? Here's what Wanmacher had to say on creating the sound of the Punisher. He said he, uh, his primary focus was to create a definitive musical identity for the Punisher. I knew I needed something dark, r- relentless, and muscular, but I also couldn't forget Frank's humanity, his personal torment, and deep sadness. So I approached the job equally as a fan and as a composer. Because, you know, so, yeah, let's listen to the first track, huh? Yeah. First track, main titles. That was very that was very orchestral. There was some horns in there. Uh, it kind of sounded like a Batman theme. Yeah, a little bit. You know, for a kind of dark, gritty film landscape where everyone's kind of going more synthesized and whatnot, it was surprisingly orchestral. I'm reading a little snippet here that says, in order to uh, make the character of Frank Castle seem less one-dimensional, Wanmacher decided to include snare cadences and powerful dynamic ostinatos and slowly rising string repetitions to mimic a relentless entity like an approaching battalion. Ooh. That's, That's an interesting way to think about it. But I mean, it just, for me, the theme didn't stay consistent. The, the music seemed to bounce between that orchestral and that techno, and it didn't really mix well. Yeah, it. I guess, you know, I can see what you're saying there, when at the end of the day, I couldn't hum a single theme from this movie. Yeah. Can we? Should we listen to another track? Yeah, let's listen to the next track on the soundtrack, which is Lights On. Remember, friends, somewhere out there in the shadows is the definitive sound of the Punisher. Um, so that one, that one still had you know those the dun 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 sound, you know, yeah, and, very upbeat and still orche- orchestry. Yeah, orchestry. Yes. And now that I read the quote, I did kind of hear those snare hits in there to dot 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 dot. I think that's but, the closest you're gonna get. To, was wait was lights on played in the opening scene where he's at yeah the, the opening massacre there yeah <laughs> yeah that was a massacre yep you you really quickly get a taste of what Punisher Warzone is going to be for the rest of the movie really bad stereotype Italian accents and just a lot of blood a lot of blood like the first thing he does is chop off a person's head. That's literally yeah. the first act of violence. <laughs> and it comes oh. clean off. Like it's like Robocop. Just shing! Plunk! A, re- a real life decapitation would not be that good. <laughs> I hope not. I hope it's not that easy. Unless he has the strength of like 
a grizzly bear, maybe. <laughs> All right, any other songs now, you want to play? There are. Uh, ben mentioned earlier the – no, it was you that mentioned the scene where Looney Bin was going around smashing the uh, the mirrors for his brother. And that's actually, oddly enough, the probably most memorable music scene of the film due to its use of the song Justice by Genesis. Don't know what it sounds uh, like. Other way around? Other way around. It's, it's Genesis by oh, Justice. Oh, Genesis by Justice. Careful now. Phil Collins <sighs> did not make this song. But if only. <laughs> if, if only, only he did. Feel it in the air tonight. He did. Phil Collins did produce the album that this is on. <laughs> no, he didn't. That's 100% untrue. <laughs> yeah. He does the vocals. <laughs> vocals. <laughs> it's a techno oh. track. He does the D-A-N-C-E. <laughs> D-A-N-C. Okay. All right. Here is uh, here is Justice with the song Genesis. Genesis. Just... What? I'm playing it. Shut Fuck up. both of you. This is Genesis. The band's Justice. The album is Cross. Listen to it. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> the movie was worth it just for that one song hold on i don't really remember that song being behind looney bin jim when he's breaking the mirrors mm, i seem to remember it okay okay i did watch the movie just recently with director's commentary so there was like no music i could hear it was yeah just lexi alexander talking usually when a very aggressive german woman talks over the movie you probably aren't going to catch the uh she's the techno a, beats she's not aggressive only on her twitter okay okay but like she sounds very sweet when she discusses her work that's true and so she's like Werner herzog yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay anything else in the music category Sky no Game? well um, i don't know you got a note here about how it was some kind of success on well, the, Some the, chart here. The, the Punisher Warzone track I read, the album, um, did manage to get into like the some sort of indie chart, the top of an indie chart for a while when it was out, which made it a little bit more successful than the actual film. Right. I think it was due to the fact that the uh, album has a Rob Zombie track on it called Warzone. Which we will play at the end of this. Do not worry. Yeah, I, I haven't listened to it because I don't hate myself. But well, they listen to it. Hey, in the car. don't diss Rob Zombie. He's one of the better metal bands <laughs> that has been to Mankato, <laughs> my hometown. Thank you, Rob Zombie, for gracing us in Minnesota with your presence. Fair open for Marilyn Manson, so <laughs> you know what have you done? You haven't opened for Marilyn Manson. I worked for a paper that wrote that uh, Rob Zombie and Marilyn Monroe were in town. Oh, no. That is a college newspaper. <laughs> oh, I, I'm still proud of it. Okay. All right. 
that is going that's that's enough of music then okay yes yep. <laughs> put me out of my misery then let's well let's put ben into your misery <sighs> with science all right, let's talk about the first little thing. In one of the opening scenes, Punisher gets his nose broken, and then he's sitting in a car, and he takes a little toothpick or like a, a tongue damper. What do you call those? It's a pencil. Depressor. It was just, oh, yeah. Was, you sure it was a pencil? I'm pretty sure. Okay, I thought it was like a tongue depressor. And, and he just snaps his broken nose back into place. Now, I know you can snap a nose back into place, but could you describe that process for me, Ben, please? The process is you break your nose. You go to your doctor to determine your treatment options. They will give you an x-ray to ter- determine if your nose is broken and if there's blood clots forming in your sinus. And then they will put you under local anesthesia, put your bones back in place, and then put a, a cast, like a, a face mask thing that you see basketball players wear sometime uh, for a week or more. But me, you, you can snap it, though. I'm reading this thing that says that um, the doctor will reposition the bones back into place, which gives me the impression that it's, you know, they just kind of yeah. pop it back in. Um, but in most cases, if you break your nose, you're not going to actually need to have it repositioned. Because you only need that if it's, like, out of place, obviously. You know, if, if your nose is broken but not displaced, then you just have to not bump it again. But uh, would, so, it, would it hurt a lot to move the bones, I would assume? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it would be extremely painful. They, 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 they give you Novocaine. Okay. Or whatever's stronger than Novocaine, I don't know. Morphine? <laughs> <laughs> no... Well, maybe. <laughs> I watched but, that scene. I'm like, okay, this is to solidify that Punisher is a badass because yeah. he just repositioned his nose and barely flinched. Yeah. I mean, like if I broke my nose and I was like, I'm just going to pop it back into place, I would like fall on the floor and start crying before I actually did that and then say, okay, better call my mom. <laughs> Have her drive me to the hospital. <laughs> Because you couldn't drive yourself at that point. Also, there'd be a lot more blood than oh. there is in that scene. Oh, really? I... Broken noses bleed a lot. It's it's like in our um, Daredevil episode when I forget who it was. David. But they were talking. Yeah, David. He was talking about broken bones. You get a lot of internal bleeding because you have a ton of marrow. Like a broken nose will be the worst nosebleed you've ever had. Okay. I so. do appreciate the fact that they. Kind of, sort of alluded to it, and then he was sniffing for probably about the next three minutes of the movie. Just, but that's about it. Yeah, he was he was taking those septal hematomas and and snorting them back into his lungs. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because he's just that much of a badass, right? Yeah. All right, then that's that. Let's get to the big scene, and that is. Billy, what's oh, what was even Billy the Butte Rose Rosati Rosodi Rosodi Rosodi, aka yep. Jigsaw. Uh, but before he is Jigsaw, he is thrown into a glass compactor and then taken for a ride. Ben, please take it away on what the deal is up if that were to happen in real life. If you didn't get crushed, if you didn't bleed to death. 
if you didn't go into shock and die and nothing got infected, which would happen because glass bottle, I used to work at a baseball or a softball complex and I'd have to take out the recycling. Glass bottles are gross. <laughs> like you cut your face open with one of those, you stop the bleeding and they're like, okay, I better get some hardcore antibiotics. Not your mother's because, antibiotics. Hardcore. Yeah, we're not talking like child's Motrin, <laughs> which isn't an antibiotic, but you get my point. Um, God. Are you speaking from ta- experience on this one? I, I I took a lot of child's Motrin when I was younger because of, <laughs> oh gosh, pneumonia or something. I was sick. I drank oh, a lot. I drank, like, I drank a, whole, a whole bottle of that, which it's, it's basically DayQuil, um, but less intense because you're eight. Minus all of those things. Yep. You get your stitch, face stitched back together, and yeah, the scarring will be pretty horrific. But you could survive. This is not an instant death situation. Right, yeah. If you could, like... You know, it's it's like when avalanches happen, and they're like, you know, avalanches are totally survivable. You just kind of, like, swim on top of it until you can get to the side, and then you get to the side, and then you're good. You know, if you if you can stay on top of all, if you don't get sucked down into the actual like crushing part, oh you my just gosh. float on a sea of blo- broken glass. Oh, swimming on broken glass. Dun 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 dun. Oh, what? Start an emo band with me. A what band? Emo. A emo band. <laughs> but we yeah. only play Annie Lennox songs. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way. Um, for a villain to go down into his into his transformation is not like oh god this hurts but just screaming fu castle at the top of his lungs while being turned round and round on a death like a record baby (laughs) on a death (laughs) carousel i enjoyed it a lot Oh, so wow, I guess, yeah. I enjoyed that Marilyn Manson concert. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking of being spun right round round like a record baby. Marilyn Manson does a really good cover of that song. Don't oh. look at me that way. Okay. Oh, man. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. Your your references are wishy-washy. So. They're, they're pretty good tonight. Okay. <laughs> any, uh, any more signs from you, Ben? I got nothing. Okay. I mean, there's not any outlandish science fictional stuff, which is where I thrive. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just it... like a bunch. Oh, also, uh, you know, scientifically speaking, real life Italian stereotypes are not that crude. <laughs> scientifically <laughs> Thank you. Speaking, of course. Anyway, so, I, that's all I got. Yeah, this movie was mostly uh, ex- extraneous action scenes with gratuitous gore. And all you yeah. have to do is say, well, that's not exactly how it would happen, but it's more dramatic this way and creates a a motif of visuals with all the blood and guts and stuff. Speaking of gore, one scene that was pretty redonkulous. Okay, so he interrogates the Rastafarian dude after he shoots his kneecaps, and then he throws him down on the uh, spiked pole, oh, or yeah. spiked fence, yep. Yeah. And then he jumps on his head and it breaks his fall. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's, it depends on the coefficient of friction between a dead body and a steel spike thingy. <laughs> but, you know, if it's, if it's you know, not too fast, not too slow, it, it could break your fall. Yeah. It's like jumping onto a trampoline. That's pretty of amazing, meat. actually. <laughs> of meat trampoline. Face. 
<laughs> a face trampoline. Yes. Okay. I got a mute I'll take your word for it. Jump onto. <laughs> yeah. All right. Aww. And so let's move on to our next section, which is a compilation. Compilation. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say compilement, and then I realized I think that's just compliment with different enunciations. <laughs> no, they're spelled differently. Oh, really? Okay, so I yeah. was right initially, and then I turned it into something wrong. <laughs> yeah, you should always go with your first guess. <laughs> well, screw you, I don't. <laughs> so this is, you know, if we have a guest, we'll give this section to them. Otherwise, it's fun facts, what could have been, and speculation, or, you know, what we just want to talk about about the movie. So I've got a list of topics I want to bring up. First of all, what this movie was supposed to be. We all know that there was a Punisher movie that came out in 2004 starring Thomas Jane. I did not know that. Oh, really? You didn't see that one? Yeah. Okay. That's okay. I, Actually, I, I take it back. Movies. Maybe you didn't know. It didn't make that much money. Uh, but they, It had John Travolta in it. Yeah. And, uh, I'm surprised I haven't seen it then. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this, this Punisher Warzone was supposed to be a sequel to that film called Punisher Frank's Back or something like that. <laughs> Welcome back, Frank. Yes, thank you. That's so much worse. Punisher Welcome Back Frank. No, it's just, it sounds like a, a spinoff to Welcome Back Cotter. Okay, yeah. but this Welcome Back Frank was supposed to be the sequel, and it was supposed to, again, star Thomas Jane, and, of course, re- maintain the, the director, I forget his name, who directed the 2004 Punisher. But, apparently... There was a falling out, and uh, Thomas Jane, the more he got into the production, the more he realized he didn't want to do it, and eventually he just walked away from it. And I think the the director had left way before then, too, to do something else, and so Mm -hmm. the studio just transformed it into a different movie. But they had already put a fair amount of money into it, therefore they wanted to see how much more they could get out of it without putting more money into it. So they hired a nice indie director called Lexi Alexander, who I believe had a Oscar under her belt by that time. Yeah, I, I can't remember which Oscar she won for, but her film, film. Uh, Green Street Hooligans, took on some pretty good notice, which kind of put her on the map. Mm-hmm. So they, they picked her up, and then Ray Stevenson came in to play Punisher, and we get... Punisher Warzone, a completely different <laughs> film than what it was originally meant to be. On the topic of, you know, Thomas Jane leaving, there have been just well-documented stuff about how they just never really got a good script going for it, and that's kind of the reason he left. Uh, one of the people who was responsible for writing a draft of the movie was uh, Kurt Sutter, who I believe was the showrunner for Sons of Anarchy. Ooh. Uh, most of his stuff... It didn't end up in the final movie. I believe the one thing that did was the glass compactor scene. One of the best parts of the film. All right. And this film, as we discussed earlier, was a mess before its December release date. It's, it's still a mess. And after, you're absolutely right. But, I mean, it didn't even have, like, a good opening weekend followed by people going, this is crap, nobody go see it. It had a horrible opening weekend followed by... Nobody go see it. (laughs) 
and we got uh, and this was sort of because of course being released on Death Weekend, but also there were rumors right before this movie was coming out that Lexi Alexander had actually left the film, and it didn't they didn't clear it up right away. They waited a few weeks before they finally released a statement saying no. Lexi Alexander never even thought about leaving. Well, maybe she did. I don't know. But she never put her foot out the door. She was. She's still very much involved in this project. And everyone's like, "Oh, okay. Well, uh, what? I'm so confused. Who's right and who's wrong? I just don't. I'm just not even going to see the movie. It sounds bad." I believe she was like, "Yeah, myself and Lionsgate just fought tooth and nail over this movie." But I'm happy with the end product, is I believe what she said. Okay, so that makes sense. The also, Lexi Alexander came into this film with a vision, and it stated in an interview with the guys of the podcast. Uh, how did this get? How made? did this get made? Yeah, <laughs> where they did they had they had an interview with Lexi Alexander about this film. Lexi had talked about she was given a stack of comic books. In, in like preparation for this film it's like read them or don't read them you know you're the director do what you want but this is the character that you're writing a film about and the very first comic book she read was like someone being interrogated and they were being threatened that unless you give us this information we're gonna put your testicles in a cup we're gonna put your balls in a cup <laughs> the very next panel is a man with a Dixie Cup in his hand, holding his junk, which is bleeding. <laughs> that sets wow. the scene. <laughs> and she's like, this, she, she said, this is ridiculous. This is absolute ridiculous comic book stuff. This, that's what this movie's going to be. It's going to be ridiculous comic book violence. And that's why we got it. You know, just a little insight. Uh, in case you're wondering, super fans, because I know all of you are. The answer to your question is Punisher Volume 6, number 4. They have it on interlibrary alone at most universities. But I know a lot of this has to do with a lot of my little things. Little I, I wrote a lot because I, I did put a little bit of research into this that I haven't done in a while. <laughs> uh, you know, because whatever happened to Lexi Alexander's career after this film? <laughs> yeah, it's a little frightening. Not much. I think she only directed like two films after this. Yeah, certainly not. As depressing as it sounds, certainly not up to the level of this as far as recognizability. Mostly, I just know that you know she gets really vocal about uh, feminist issues on Twitter. Well, the demand for more female directors, right? Which you know can be classified as feminist or you know just general. <laughs> I mean, if you're not a cinephile, name a female director. Who isn't Catherine Bigelow? Ooh, ooh, I know this. Yes? Lexi Alexander. Score. <laughs> oh. That is a yeah. See? That's yeah, why that's kind of why correct. she's in the career. It's, it's what she wants to do. But if you want to get – if those of you who are fans of this film, uh, she is as of currently slated to direct the season four opening episode of the hit television show Arrow. Yay! So – uh, I know Arrow has been getting a little bit more and more violent lately, back to where it was violent in the first season. Mm. And maybe we'll get some extremely gruesome uh, uh, 
C was it the CW? <laughs> yeah, Grap- uh, just extremely gory episodes on the CW. Who knows? Well, well, they have said that they're going for a tonal shift for season four, and I personally hope that is just pure bloodshed and carnage. That'd be pretty. That'd be different. You wouldn't expect that from a Green Arrow television show. But yeah. finally, to the last bit of note, and this is a bit of speculation I want to talk about. We are getting a new Punisher. Woo! And this will be old news, of course, by the time this episode gets released. Um, right. In fact, it's old news by the time we're recording it, really. John Berthal of The Walking Dead Walking fame Dead. <laughs> is going to be playing Punisher in the newly acquired season two of Daredevil. That's going to be the good Punisher movie. I talked earlier about how I, I talked earlier about how a good Punisher movie exists. It just hasn't been made yet, and I don't know how it will. But I, it's a good Netflix series, is what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Hey y'all, remember when we did our Daredevil episode and we did our wishes for season two? And I was totally like, I want to see the Punisher. I got my wish. Wish granted. I'm still waiting yes. for Ghost Rider, guys. Uh, okay, speculation: Punisher as villain or hero. It's going to be ambiguous. Yeah, as okay, because ideally Punisher. crossing the line several times throughout the season. And it's going to be a a plot B that is going to be sort of in the background throughout the season. You know, okay, he's going to collide with Daredevil at some moments and then back away because it is Daredevil's show, and then collide and create yeah. a new plot point and then back away, mm-hmm. and then come come for the season finale. And help him out because they're both going to be on the same side for that because that's what the fans want. Yeah. Yeah. I I do think he's going to be major enough in this coming season to the point where they actually redid the the logo for the show with bullet holes in it. Oh, the the Punisher skull? Oh, no, Daredevil. Yeah, like the Daredevil logo title. And now it just has like a couple bullet holes in it. That's really cool. I know, right? I did not know that. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> uh, oh, and yeah, in case for anybody who's not caught up and is still in like 2008, because you're like, oh, Punisher was made by Lionsgate, and that's not a Marvel studio. Lionsgate did own the rights to Punisher, and then they expired two years after Punisher Warzone came out, and Marvel bought them back up. Good for Marvel. Yes. So, again, yeah. Punisher is one of those characters that Marvel Studios gets, gets to sit on and then use whenever they want, among like everything else, pretty much, besides a couple of the big wigs. Earlier in the episode, I kind of alluded to, you know, how do we make a good Punisher movie? I mean, obviously, script is pretty key, but Punisher is also one of those characters where he works best when dealing with other Marvel characters, and they weren't allowed to do that for the first three movies because, you know, Lionsgate and all that stuff. Now that it's back at Marvel, I think we can see more layers to the character that we haven't been afforded so far. And we can use them as a foil to more uh, rigidly moral characters, which is what he was in Marvel's Civil War, mm-hmm. which right. is one of my I favorite mean, series of all time. Yeah, he, I mean, the character was first introduced as a uh, as a villain for Spider-Man, who is like out to get him, so... Not didn't start off on the good foot, as it were. Punisher always shows up in Marvel comic books, and it's almost always the same conflict. He's like with Spider-Man or something, and Spider-Man, they're about to 
go on a raid and Punisher gets out his Uzis. And Spider-Man's like, yo, put those away. And he webs the bullet, <laughs> the the chambers. It's like, don't do that. We're going to do this my way. And Punisher says something under his breath like, no, that's not how you handle criminals. They'll always rise from the dirt. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's all with every character. It's like that. Punisher will, will shoot them to near death and that hero will go, dude, back off. Can you tell this character was really popular in the 80s? In, yeah, in the early 90s when grunge was big. Yeah, that too. Uh, he was probably, I think, yeah, sometime during the 90s, Punisher was the most bought comic book for a few months. And then a lot of characters had a Punisher remodel uh, because he was so popular. Everybody had to make their characters more grungy and more Punisher-esque because people love this guy who just goes around murdering criminals because heroes have been so campy for such a long time. And finally you have this vigilante who's just like, no, screw morality. These guys should go in the ground. And you hadn't seen that yet, at least not in pop culture. All right. I think we have run out of time, so we will not do because of this movie. So – that's going to take us to the end today, super friend, super fans. We call our fans super friends or uh, SHM Sears. I don't know. If you like what you hear, show us your support by rating us on iTunes. It doesn't cost you a penny, and it means the world to us. That is like the greatest thing you could do for our podcast. But there are other things you can do. We also keep an active Twitter feed at superhero MC. All right then, that'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. James Skyler Houtsma. And Ben Anderson. I hope you all have a super... Bullet meets skull, meet the end of your life!